Coming up on the WAC Podcast, conference play gets underway this week for volleyball and women's soccer. Kendra Sheehan is going to have her thoughts on that. Plus, we're only a month away from our WAC basketball preview shows, and a national analyst has a team in the top 10, but it's not maybe for the reason that you're thinking. And we're going to have Tony Jones on to talk about men's soccer as we had another whacked opponent this week. And JT Wenger, the UTA volleyball coach, joins us. That's all ahead on the Whack Podcast. This episode of the Whack Podcast is brought to you by University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Visit UCU today to join. Federally insured by NCUA. Ba-da-da-da-da, we're back. New sponsor on the WAC podcast. If you guys didn't know, shout out to the University Credit Union sponsoring our baseball tournament, our softball tournament, and now our podcast. Wow. <laughs> Did we have an energy drink? We need an energy drink sponsor, I think. To... So welcome into the show, Eric Danner, along with Kendra Sheehan. Uh, first off, a uh, big weekend for you. Certainly was. We, are, we have now been in, in Texas for a year. A for those, year. For those of you keeping track at home. And your lease came up. New spot. Had to move this weekend. Had to move this weekend. You know, Saturday, it wasn't as brutally hot. So it wasn't too bad. But, you know, hauling all those boxes down. I'm on the, I was on the fourth floor at the time bringing those all the way down, haul, put them all in the U-Haul, then driving it over, unloading, boom, and then you got to unpack. I mean. So so let me ask you this. How, how many times have you moved in the past five years? I feel like Southern Illinois, yes. Denver, well, Texas, I mean, Syracuse, Denver. Syracuse, Southern, is that in the past five years? Yeah, I guess so, actually. Syracuse, maybe even Florida State, depending. So, Oh, Florida State, Syracuse, popped over to Rochester for a few months, Southern Illinois, Denver, Texas, new spot in Texas. I mean, you'd think I'd be a pro mover by now, but I'm absolutely not. Just keep it all in a box. Yeah. Keep it ready to roll. 80 boxes minimum. So uh, speaking of moving, not well, <laughs> nothing to do with moving, <laughs> basketball preview shows. ESPN Plus, we are less than a month away. We're going to have a couple of uh, fantastic analysts. We're going to have Mike O'Donnell, who has been our analyst for men's basketball for the linear games on ESPN, was in ESPN2 last year, does a lot of work with both ESPN, CBS Sports. And on the women's side, we'll have Reagan Peebley, a former WAC coach. She coached at Utah State and at Fresno State, uh, most recently at TCU. She is the analyst for the Dallas Wings, lives here in the Metroplex, and we are very excited to be working with her as well. So we have a couple of top-notch analysts and a top-notch host in uh, Kendra Sheehan. Did uh, <laughs> can't see did that. we just... People are listening to the podcast. Well, it was a cool pose I was doing for those of you at home listening. Did we just reveal our analysts for the first time? We sure did. Wow, breaking news on the WAC podcast. So you always get something extra. Yeah, if you're, if you're tuning in. podcast, paying attention. So I was uh, scrolling through... X uh, <laughs> recently here and noticed Andy Katz came out with his top 10 basketball uniforms. And did you, did you take a look at this? I did. I did. I was, I was interested top to 10 see jerseys. 
for the 23-24 season. Could it be the logo change? I mean, it's a fresh... Well, what's funny is, or not funny, but the GCU logo on the graphic is actually the old GCU. Ah, so then are they factoring that into account? What are those new... Have we even seen those new jerseys? Maybe, maybe Andy Katz gets, you know, a sneak preview. I mean, that is, would make sense. He's Andy Katz. He's one of the top guys, but he has them ranked number 10 in NCAA basketball for jerseys this season so shout out to grand canyon nationally recognized here number one ucla north carolina georgetown kansas kentucky duke arizona indiana then we have hawaii and grand canyon so we have kind of the blue bloods if you will and then a couple of uh up and coming or at least one up and coming in grand canyon so that uh, bodes well if you're, if you're getting noticed nationally for your threads yeah i mean you got to have style on the floor in your play style and also in your uni style. And I was looking at their schedule as well because they, they have some big time uh, opponents this year. Most notably, San Diego State will be coming to GCU on December 5th. Of course, the Aztecs were in the national championship game uh, just a year ago. So always a fun time there at the GCU arena. And we look forward to basketball season getting started before we know it. Before we know it. And you know, what's already been getting started (laughs) (laughs) and that we're cruising right along. What is that? Women's soccer, women's soccer conference play starts on Thursday, literally on Thursday, the 21st. Do you remember the Thursday night in September. Oh, that's the day. Yes, right? that's, yeah. Oh, I'm getting the tie-in now. Now you're getting it on the idea. <laughs> so that's the song. Yeah, hopefully we don't, we're not doing any copyright infringement right there. But yes, Thursday, September 21st, first day of fall. Also the first day of WAC Women's Soccer Conference play. Abilene Christian going to UTRGV. Tarleton at Stephen F. Austin, Utah Valley going to California Baptist. That's Kind of one I would circle. Remember, we had Kristen St. Clair on the show last week. CBU yes. off to a very good start. Utah Valley has had some really big wins as well uh, early in the season. And Seattle U at Grand Canyon, uh, another couple of teams that have traditionally been, uh, you know, vying for the WAC championship. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, how some of these teams start matching up once conference play gets underway. We do have our WAC Women's Soccer Players of the Week. Utah Tech's Lacey Fox was the offensive player of the week. Yeah, big win for Utah Tech. They went to Colorado State, won in Fort Collins, gave them their first loss of the year Ooh. Uh, for the Rams. They then lost to Utah after that, but uh, a very good CSU team. Of course, CSU making a lot of news uh, this past week uh, as they played Colorado in football. But uh, also on the soccer pitch, they lose to Utah Tech. Fox also scoring the game winner in the 86th minute in their match against Idaho State as they won 4-3. to three. So a couple of big wins by Utah Tech. Lacey Fox, the ticket smarter offensive player of the week. California Baptist Taylor Summit picking up the defensive player of the week. She's a junior, helped the team to their fourth straight shutout as they, uh, that was against San Jose State. They also battled Sacramento State to a one-to-one draw. And I know you love to talk about goalkeepers. You know I do, because if you guys didn't know, I was a goalkeeper in high school. (laughs) (laughs) 
Grand Canyon's Diara Jackson is the goalkeeper of the week, deservingly so. 15 saves last week in the 2-1 to win over Loyola Marymount. They also had a 3-2 loss to Arkansas. Arkansas, big-time opponent. But Jackson made this incredible save. You check out our whack top play nominees. She was in that. She stopped a free kick. It was the full extend. Punched that ball over the cross bar, and it was a beautiful, beautiful save. Hats off to Diara. Jackson. And that was also in the 80th minute yeah. of the game. So uh, preserving a win for the Lopes against Loyola Marymount. They also lost three to two to Arkansas at Arkansas, a top, I believe the 11th ranked team in the country. So uh, again, GCU likes to play a lot, a lot of those games that test them, especially before we get into conference play, which as we just mentioned, starts Thursday. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk some wax volleyball here on the WAC podcast. Stay with us. Down, down, down. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. We had some big wins this past week in our last week of non-conference play in WAC Volleyball. We saw a WAC. Stephen F. Austin defeating Ole Miss. The Lady Jacks are on fire, if you haven't noticed. They sure are. They're currently sitting at the top of our Conference standings, of course, conference play not getting underway just yet. That happening also on Thursday. But Stephen of Austin, nine and or eleven and two, excuse me, their last ten games, nine and one. They're on a three game win streak. They're red hot. I mean, they got a lot of veteran presence there on that team. Um, and, and, you know, coming in and bringing those big time opponents to Nacogdoches is pretty cool. They fill up that gym uh, with a ton of fans and uh, really get a nice home court advantage. And what a win over uh, Ole Miss there. And also in the that SFA tournament, they had Sam Houston come into town. Of course, the old rival, they sweep them 3-0. And they honor head coach Debbie Humphreys uh, with her 800th win banner. Uh, so nothing better than than doing it in front of a packed house and sweeping uh, the Bearcats. Absolutely, especially since that was the old Battle of the Piney Woods Hardwood edition that went away when Sam Houston left the conference last year. Never really knew when those sort of, you know, matchups would take place, but awesome to do that. And then, of course, sweeping Sam Houston because we know SFA and Sam Houston are massive rivals. And then having the celebration for that 800 win is pretty exciting. We sure do know their rivals. They do play one non-conference match before they get things underway against UTRGV. It's like at Baylor. At Baylor. <laughs> so Classic. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the team that beat them in the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, but then they opened a conference play against UTRGV and then Texas Arlington. Both of those will be in Nacogdoches coming up this week. Now, we also had another coach reach a milestone, J.T. Wenger, who is the head coach for UT Arlington, another team that I would say is <laughs> red hot. They are certainly red hot, and the standings right after Stephen F. Austin with that 11-2 and record is also UT Arlington with the 11-2 and record, so they're tied atop the standings. They have also won five matches in a row, have the Mavericks. J.T. Wenger didn't take long to get that 100th victory already and, and he has the the Mavericks playing really well heading into conference play they had a sweep over Texas A&M Commerce they beat McNeese three to one they beat North Texas in a sweep so they are playing really well they will open against UTRGV on Thursday night at the uh, College Park Center I'm seeing a lot of sweeps for the Mavericks and 
guess what? If you stick around to our final segment, you'll hear more from head coach JT Wenger as we Wenger as we you'll hear more three, two, one. And yes, a lot of sweeps for the Mavs, four of their last five. They swept their opponents. Very exciting. And you'll hear from head coach JT Wenger later in the podcast as he'll talk about what it's like to gear up for conference play and the veteran presence that he has on this current roster. We look forward to that, certainly. And we also look forward to our next guest, Tony Jones, will join us on set to talk some Wackman soccer. You're listening to the Wack Podcast. Stay with us. Tony's coming. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Wack Podcast. Now joined by Tony Jones, the assistant commissioner of communications. He's an expert on men's soccer, the topic we will be discussing because this week, this past week, a lot of victories for men's soccer programs. A lot of play teams getting whacked by our whack teams. And one of those we'll start with right off the bat with the highlights. GCU men's soccer whacking number 22 ranked San Diego. Your thoughts, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of a long intro. Wasn't it? Kind of a long intro, but it was, yeah, it worked. No, it's you know, G- GC right now, third straight win. And that's a big one to pick up this early in the year. Hottest team in the conference right now. It's hard to say that with Seattle U having a five-match unbeaten streak, loss back into a draw, a big draw with 14 Denver on Monday night. But you know, GCU right now with three straight wins is that they're the team. That that's you know, that's the current streak. And they've gotten it over 500 during this run. And it kind of as we talked a few weeks ago of ah, it was rough out of the gate for them with their East Coast swing. You know, again, I think it was way too early to to tell way too early to know. And, and they've really proven that these last few weeks, they're, they're ready to play. And you know, that result against San Diego really proved that out. So GCU, they will play uh, Houston Christian coming up uh, as we record this on Tuesday, they play Wednesday at home and then they will be going to SMU former WAC champion in, in men's soccer. Uh, that'll be uh, later this week. And then they open up conference play. Yeah. And so kind of dress rehearsals getting out of the way this week, Tony, we are seeing a lot of games though, a lot of matches uh, that will continue to be tests for WAC teams this week. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that's getting any easier as we look at the final week or so plus of, of non-conference play heading in. It's, you know, as we talked about Seattle four, two and two is an outstanding start. Your only losses are by one goal to San Diego at home and at Loyola Marymount, who's been in and out of the top 25, could have really had that win with with number 14, Denver. Go right, ahead, goal. And they, the and, yeah, go ahead, yeah. goal with about 10 minutes left. Tying goal given up with about, you know, four or five minutes left. So you could look at it either way, I suppose. You, you get that that leading goal and then, you know, to, to go back to a draw. Maybe, you know, not quite obviously what, what Seattle was looking for, but to be able to host UW is going to be a huge game out there. I know that every time that those teams tangle in any sport, it's a big deal in the Seattle area. It's, you know, you get outside of certain sports. I, I think if you look at it in soccer, it's kind of a fair matchup, it especially is. this year. The Huskies maybe aren't where they're, they're used to being ranked at, at this point in time of the season, getting a few votes in last week's coaches poll. So if you're Seattle hosting that game, that, that's, that's a lot of juice for you. That's a lot, uh, a lot of incentive and, We'll see if that uh, that pays off for them. But no, uh, uh, another 
You know, another big week this week as you look, Utah Tech, who's really performed admirably against a tough schedule. They've got another tough one with San Diego State coming up this week. San Diego State was in the top 20 of, of last week's coaches poll. So no no nights off really for everybody as as we're going through this final week. And, you know, kind of that that final game on the docket is Grand Canyon and SMU, which SMU is really hard to beat at home. They play great in Dallas. Again, we talk about Grand Canyon. That's not as as far of a trip as they've had some of these yeah. other some of these other trips that have been have been crazy. But uh, you know that'll be a great test for them. And then before we know it, Thursday the twenty eighth, rolling right into conference play. And you know, once conference play gets underway, because you see some of these teams that you know don't have as strong of a record right now, and they're sitting in the middle, even the bottom third of of their the rankings. I'm like, oh man, like look at this team on top. How often are we seeing these kind of flips uh, once conference play starts rolling and and a team that maybe had a really, really tough schedule starts pulling some wins in the whack and, and getting themselves, you know, into the top third of the standings? Yeah, I would say it's probably going to happen quite a bit. It's if the non-conference is any indication, I think these teams are a whole lot closer than uh, than we would have even said going into the season. And based on how the coaches kind of slotted everyone in the preseason poll, it, it, it's going to be tough. I, I think there there's no easy games. There's going to be no you know no real front runner really till we get to the end of the schedule. And I, I don't mean to to make light of where their record is at this point, but to look at Air Force at zero and eight. A perennial, a perennial force in this yeah. conference. Last year's top seed, they're regularly in the top half, and they've still got a tough game with San Francisco to close it out before they get into conference play. And you know, zero and eight, but you're looking at the one goal defeats, and they've got. If I've got the count right, I think it's five or six out of those eight games. So just as easily a bounce here or there. There could be a few draws. There, there could be some wins in there. I'm not ready to rule out the Falcons. I don't think they're ready to rule themselves out. Yeah. And that's a team that, as we said, could could be coming in, you know, with with, with that type of record in the conference play. I don't think there's any of the other in the standings who who want to see them. That that's still a tough team, still a veteran team. Coach Hill will have them ready to play in conference play. So that right there tells you how deep the conference is. Is you can look at it right now and 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 see them there. And same with CBU at one four and one with the quality of opponents they've played that I don't think any of the other teams are going to be taking them lightly. So when you can look at this point of the, of the schedule and see some of those top tier teams, your defending champion last year's top seed kind of, you know, flipped on the, on the other side of the standings, that's got to make everybody else a little bit nervous because I, I, I think they're fully expecting that those teams might not be there at, at the end of this conference season. So it should make for a really exciting few months, but it's also hard to predict because you, you, you're just not going to know what's what's happening. The only eight conference matches this year uh, is Houston Christian left the conference. Yeah. Uh, so each each conference match means that much more as we head into that uh, conference play. Getting back to Air Force, though, uh, you mentioned not the start they wanted open yeah. eight. Uh, they play San Francisco at home this week, and then they start. I mean, if if you want to talk about what's the toughest way to start conference play, at San Jose State and at Seattle, uh, it's probably got to be as tough a road trip as as there is in the WAC. But at the same time, they're going to have four home matches in in October. And when you go to to Air Force, when you go to Colorado Springs, sixty five hundred feet in October, you could be. You know, I've, I've seen snow there, you know, many yeah. times in October could be to their advantage as we head in. And of course they get to wipe the slate clean once the conference play starts, but Seattle, you going back to them, 
James Morris, who Kendra had a chance to talk to last week. He was on the beach yeah. uh, when she talked to him. Showed us that view. It was a beautiful day, a little chilly. It was a little windy. You could hear the wind through <laughs> the AirPods, but a, a great, uh, great moment for having him because he talked to me on a before the match. On, on a game day. On a game like day. Marymount. So that, that match you referred to uh, against DU, a top 20 ranked team where they, they tied, could have easily won. But James Morris, two goals in that one. He, he's looking like, uh, again, we haven't even started conference play, but a player of the year type candidate this season. There, there's a handful of players. There, there's been a lot of consistency out of the top half. A lot of familiar names as you look each week of, of who's kind of been up there, not only weekly, but as you look at the season uh, statistics, a lot of familiar names, a lot, a lot of guys who, are, who have been consistent, Morris being one of them. Um, seeing some new players jump in this week to, to get in the mix. I, I know that... Uh, Player of the week winner Alejandro Silva from Utah Valley with a was a great strike and yeah he he had a couple uh, primary assists as well to to get some points this week so it, it's it's not a bad problem to have if you're any of those teams especially Seattle U to to have a guy who's you know we've I think we've touched on it here in the past few weeks of what's been a veteran roster the last so many years a lot of those guys have departed but he's still around he he still had one more season with the Red Hawks and he's making the most of it. You know, this is possibly the, the, the best start he's had in his career for a guy who's been really consistent for them. and has been a big part of their attack these past few seasons. He's been great and has been off to a great start. And, and like I said, to, to have two defeats with the schedule they've played by one goal each is now, again, you, you probably want to get a result in every game that you go out. That's sort of the point of playing. But I think if you were to, to ask the coaching staff in their first year and, and everyone else around the program, Hey, where would you rather be at this point? Given the schedule they played, I'm sure they'll take, you know, a four, two and two record and your defeats were against quality teams out West by one goal. So great spot to be in, you know, Morris again, had, had, had the two, two big goals against Denver and almost pulled out the game winner there as part of that. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure of, you know, we talk about going to Air Force later in the year when Air Force goes to Seattle in October, not so sure they'll be hanging on the beach in Seattle at that point <laughs> of the year. So glad that he's he's able to get it, get that, it now with the beach their, in Seattle. Or I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's one somewhere. There's but, probably uh, got to be yeah. maybe the fish park. They go to the fish. Maybe it could be. Could be. Well, if you do ask James Morris, he he like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going with this and it tied in well because <laughs> he's such a goal goal scorer and assist sister yeah. assist assist and so you know it's like which one do you like better do you like you know setting it up for your team no he likes the he likes scoring the goals I don't know why you guys cared about that but I just thought <laughs> throw that in there uh you get two points for the goal that's what he likes you that's get two true points for the goal you get one for the assist so he's just james is just thinking ahead fair so. enough that's fair enough <laughs> as you guys had mentioned the alejandro silva play that laser free kick that's another team utah valley who was in our our men's tournament last year and um you know they're typically i think they were one and done last year i'm not sure i'd have to double check on that one uh we'll go back to the tape We'll go back to the tape, but looking at them, that's a very quality team. And they're sitting at almost third to third to last in our current standings at one, four and two with Kyle Beckerman, their head coach. And, you know, he was that major league soccer veteran and he's, you know, entering his, 
you know, he's, he's really just getting started with this program. How quickly do we think that Utah Valley under this guy and the caliber of a coach that he is yeah. can turn Utah Valley into that award-winning, you know, perennial powerhouse that they're hoping. Yeah. Utah Valley ran into the bus. saw that was CBU last year in Riverside. So kind of a tough draw to, to start the tournament and really is, as it turned out, any team that played CBU during that week was, true. was up against it in front of the home crowd, but no, being able to to have the name of, of Kyle Beckerman and his association with U.S. soccer throughout the years and helping to grow that program and helping to grow the national team and, and just raise the profile of U.S. soccer is a huge thing to recruit on. And, you know, when you're Utah Valley and you have your location to sell to everyone, you have your institution to sell and you have what's you know been a strong team. And then you can add that into the mix of, of, hey, this is a guy who's who's been at the top of, of the federation in our country, who's you know well-versed, but who's also still just kind of, as you said, getting his feet under him in, in the collegiate game as a head coach and is, is still kind of finding his way there. That, that's got to be an exciting prospect for them. And again, you look at the schedule they've played, not really any gimmies there. At number six, Portland will pro- possibly be the toughest game that anyone has played in the conference. I know, you know, Stanford has been involved as well. We, we've talked about San Diego. We've talked about San Diego State, but playing at Portland is an experience unlike was, any other. That was a tough one. You know, you look at the scoreline in that game, it, it's a tough one to say. That's a hard team to beat there in general. And in a season where they're in the top 10 seemingly every week, yeah, that is what it is. At Oregon State, a team that's made made a lot of elite eights, as we we mentioned when we talked about coach Craig and UNLV a few weeks back, you know, he was a part of that coaching staff that had the number one seed in the NCAA tournament was making it to those final eights. That's a tough, you know, that's a tough stretch when you have those teams as part of a four game road trip in your non-conference play, it's going to be tough to get results and to kind of come out of that with, with draws at Cal Poly and back home against Pacific. I think that's getting Utah Valley in the right direction and getting them where they they want to go as they get to conference play. But at Seattle, at San Jose State, and at Utah Tech to open conference play, it's certainly not going to get any easier for the Wolverines, that's for sure. Our Ticket Smarter, WAC Men's Soccer Players of the Week. Offensively, Bright Neuter Nutsi from Grand Canyon, Utah Tech's Julian Herrera, and Grand Canyon's Leon Schmidt is our goalkeeper of the week. So two GCU players and a Utah Tech player. So no surprises, GCU, as we mentioned before, playing so well and getting some goal scoring from some different players and also uh, getting that big play from from Leon Schmidt, who I don't believe is is related to uh, John Jacob uh, Jingleheimer. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, that would be... Uh... I have no idea what you're even that, referring to. That would be <laughs> that would be coincidental if he was. Yeah, no. But I do I, know that John Dinkle, Dingle Hammersmith. That is his. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's the right one. That yeah. may or may not make it into the podcast. That, that is that is that is the right one. He's a three-time goalkeeper of the week. He's taken three out of the four we've done so far. Yeah. He's leading the conference in saves. He's leading the conference in saves per game. He's top two in goals against average. He's top two in saves percentage. Two solo shutouts over the weekend. Put him over the top in the conference. Quality play. You know, it's, I, I, a lot of times when you see those high save numbers, that's sometimes indicative of the fact of your defense 
in front of you perhaps isn't quite doing the job. I don't think that's the case with, with Grand Canyon. I think they're playing solid defense. I think they're making it manageable for Leon. He's racking up the saves, but you know, I, I don't, it's not like he's kind of having to stand on his head in each of these matches. He's turning in great saves, sort of like his counterpart in the women's team. It's two strong goalkeepers in the soccer realm and GCU. That's, that, that's a nice thing to have for, for both accounts. And uh, you know, we've seen kind of highlight saves from both keepers, but he's not being relied on to, to sort of be, I, I guess, you know, Vezina trophy level NHL goalie in the soccer net. <laughs> But that said, there's still some volume of shots getting through to be putting up those those amount of saves per game. And like I said, to look at where his percentages and saves, to look at where his goals against are, to be getting these shutouts against quality teams. Uh, again, if you're the Lopes, you're feeling really great coming into conference play because you're starting to to unlock your your offense with the players like Bright as a striker and, and some other folks who've been consistent contributors. Like I said, that that slow start at the beginning was maybe cause for concern, but when you looked at who the opponents were, it, it was telling that 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 was most likely not going to hold up for Coach Krause and everyone throughout the year. Well, it gets underway, uh, conference play anyway, next week. Uh, Tony, we were just talking at the top of the show, basketball uh, preview days only a month away. So it always goes by quick, but uh, as did this segment. As did this segment. So I want to thank you as always, Tony, for breaking down some men's soccer and I guess next time we have you on, uh, it might be time to start uh, looking at basketball. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> it, it'll be close. Cross be country close. will be coming up. I mean, then we get into the championship, championship season. season. So. If it means that it's no longer in the mid to high 90s in the state we'll of Texas, it. we can live with it. We'll that, that'll it's, be great. It's, it's beautiful. I don't know. It gets yeah, a little so. chilly at night now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Tony Jones. Coming up next, we're going to have UTA volleyball coach JT Wenger. You're listening to the Wack Podcast. Welcome back to the Wack Podcast. We're now joined by UTA women's volleyball head coach JT Wenger. Welcome to the show, coach, and uh, want to congratulate you on your big milestone that you hit on September 14th, capping 100 wins. What was that moment as you kind of achieved that that big milestone? Yeah, it was a fun experience. Uh, we had a great crowd in College Park Center, a big win over a local rival. So uh, definitely a special experience. And when you look at this season, you guys are 11 and two on a five game win streak, four of those coming in sweeps. What has been clicking with this group as you guys get ready to gear up for conference play? Yeah, we have a very veteran group uh, for the first time in a while. Um, and they, they know what needs to be done. They come in, they work hard and um, they follow game plans very well, and they're executing at a high level. WAC play starts for you guys this Thursday. You're hosting UTRGV. What has been kind of the the conversation, the practice leading up to to this first conference matchup? Because everything you do before doesn't necessarily matter if you can't close it out during this very important conference play stretch. Yep, all the cliches apply. Um, new chapter, new book, new story. Uh, it all gets wiped clean. So um, those are utilized as every program does every year. Uh, but it's true. You know, it, it's a new new beginning, and uh, we got to build off of what we've been working on. Uh, practices uh, will have been and continue to be um, very effective and, and meaningful, and we'll keep developing. You got the Brianna attack, Brianna Ford, Brianna Brown, both seniors that have just been 
leading the team in kills so far this season. How impactful have those two veteran presence been for this squad? Yeah, you got to be careful because you can't call them both the same name. There's Brianna and Brianna. You got to be uh, very specific about these things. Uh, but yes, they're they're again talking about the veteran group. Um, you know, they're they're coming in very very deliberate in what they're doing. Uh, both are dedicated to their craft. Both are improving. Um, you know, and that stuff doesn't happen by accident. Uh, and yeah, very versatile players. Both have developed a ton um, over the years, and even in the last couple months, there's a lot of growth. Uh, it's been very exciting. Molly Blank, your setter, she had a, a career high of 52 assists over this past weekend and continues to really facilitate this offense. What has impressed you most about the way that she's able to, to run the offense um, in the way that's necessary to get some of these big-time wins? Yeah, she's got some nice tools around her, and she's really figuring out how to, how to utilize them, uh, how to put everybody in good situations and, and make the most. So I, I think, you know, one part about her, her demeanor, um, she's she's very cool under pressure. And that's, I think, helped um, lead this program into a good couple of weeks. What has been key for this group compared to maybe last year? I know you said it's a veteran presence here, but what has really helped turn the page and make this team 11 and two on that five game win streak going red hot as you head to conference play? I think in years past, we've uh, been kind of content going to four sets, going to five sets, kind of feeling it out and seeing how it goes. Whereas this year, I think it's been a little bit more, we've been a little bit more diligent in um, making the most of the opportunities that we have. And if we can close out a set or even if we're behind, being able to to come back even in the 20s to to really put some pressure on to win that set um, and help you know, help the team kind of get out of there in a hurry. So uh, I think that that motivation, that, that drive is, is kind of, I think, made this year a little bit different than some previous seasons. Now, I know that everything, you know, winning these five games, everything is looks perfect on the outside, but of course there's always things from a coach's perspective to clean up. So as you head to this conference stretch, what's going to, what's the biggest focus on an area of improvement that this team needs to work on, or just a little cleanup here and there to, to be able to be the best that you guys can be this year. Yeah, that's the Hugh McCutcheon quote that uh, we all live as as coaches. We live in a perpetual state of disappointment. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, our serving pass game has come and gone, especially the serving piece. We we had a little lapse a couple of weeks ago that was better this past weekend, but more opportunity. Um, you know, I think our block we've been blocking well, but we're not blocking a lot of balls. Um, so I think that's some a place that we can work a little bit harder on. Um, and defensively, same thing. We're we're, we're high number of digs, but can we tune those up a little bit to put us in better situations? So. Again, a lot of the old cliches apply, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what the game's about sometimes. <laughs> Looking at your schedule thus far, you've had two UTA kind of tournaments, UTA individual, the UTA classic earlier in the year. What kind of opportunity did that provide to, to bring a lot of teams to College Park Center and showcase that facility and also really hone in on that home court advantage? Yeah, you said it right. We're very fortunate to have a fantastic facility. Um, you know, another kind of interesting um element to, to being at UTA. There's so many uh, volleyball players that come out of this region where there are lots of schools across the country that have somebody from DFW. So filling our tournaments is, is always relatively easy. Um, and yeah, getting to play matches in front of our home crowd. Um, I think for our three, uh, three evening matches, we've had over a thousand people in the College Park Center supporting us, which is fantastic. Um, that's, you know, kudos to our marketing crew who are putting that together. Um, and we're giving them something to watch. We're giving them something exciting to see. So we're hoping to build off that momentum as we move forward. Looking at your coaching career, seventh year as head coach at UTA, you 
You've had Power 5 coaching experience. You played at UCLA where you won a national championship. It really seems like you know the the formula for winning. How have you been able to utilize some of those experiences to come into UTA and have the success that you've had with this with multiple teams? Yeah, everywhere is different. Uh, the recipe is different everywhere, for sure. Um, I think the, the draw from UCLA, the, the part that is part of my fabric now, is just that competition brings out the best in people. Um, it brings out the, the, the competitive spirit is, is kind of what needs to be the driver of a program. Um, and that's something that we talk about a little bit uh, very openly, actually. Um, you know, as coaches, we're rooting for every athlete. At the end of the day, we can only put six um, inside the lines at a time. Uh, but we want everybody to be playing their best and, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats and keep keep working hard to keep elevating the program. Well, Coach, want to wish you good luck this weekend, this Thursday. UTA takes on UTRGV, the first conference matchup on ESPN Plus as UTA head coach JT Wenger here on the WAC Podcast. want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast.